This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. I'm Kenji Cataldo. Our guests today are Hiiaka Jardine and Jen Nakamura of Kayaulu o Kahalu'u, a grassroots organization created to serve, organize, and uplift Kahalu'u community voices. Kayaulu o Kahalu'u is working to restore the Kahalu'u lo'i system on the windward side of Oahu, a state-owned parcel of land with the largest extant terrace structures on the island. Kayaulu o Kahalu has until November to show what the area could look like under their stewardship, so they're hosting community work days every other Saturday to clear the area. We got to join one of their work days and afterwards sat down for a conversation about their work. Okay, so we're here today sitting with Jen and Hiyaka of Kayaulu o Kahalu. We actually just had a work day with them, which was super fun. And um, yeah, would you both just like to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about how Kayaulu uh, Kahalu came to be? Okay. Aloha, I am Hiiaka Jardine, uh, co-founder of Kayaulu o Kahalu'u. And, and I'm Jen um, Nakamura. I'm also, we're, we're co-founders of the organization here um, in this community. And um, Basically, the, the organization came out of a need to Malama space. Um, in, in its creation, we also saw a bigger purpose for the organization. So the organization's mission and foundation is uh, more specific to the community. Our mission is to Malama, the people, resources, history, wahipana, and community well-being of Kahalu'u. And the vision is to be an established collective of voices to advocate for the Kahalu'u community. Um, and so this organization is kind of pushing what we had today as a work day and, and a little bit more about that. I'll let Hiyaka kind of share. Yeah, sure. So we're just a grassroots community organization. We're not a 5013C nonprofit, although um, we are working on creating one specifically for the Kahalu'u Lo'i, which is the site that we're at today. Um, maybe just like some background on why we created uh, Kaya'ulu o Kahalu'u. So uh, today we're here in the Ili of Ahui Manu, which is in the Ahupua of Kahalu'u. And I am actually from this, this Aina and this Ili. I live right down the road um, from the Kahalu'u Lo'i. And so when I was a child, my mother used to bring us here to play in the stream. And then as a teenager, me and my friends would um, go up to the waterfalls and, and hang out. And so I was about to graduate in 2020 with my degree in civil engineering. And throughout my college career, it was always my goal to, to bridge engineering and culture. And so right before graduation, this is right before COVID, um, I was like, okay, girl, we're here. You said you were gonna figure it out. Let's figure it out. And so, um, I just started with a simple Google search because while I wanted to bridge engineering and, and coin culture, I also wanted to give back to my community. So started with a Google search, found that the name of this place, uh, the government name is called the Kahalu'ulo'i and made the connection. I was like, hey, I know that space. I, you know, we've always played and hung out there and through research found that this is the largest intact terrace lo'i system on Oahu and the best example of native Hawaiian expertise in this particular type of engineering. 
So it was all of those things that I had hoped to, to kind of put my energy into right in my own backyard. And so I decided to start off with researching as much as possible because even though it looks like the thing that, that you've been looking for, like you just, you gotta make sure you gotta do your homework. So started with that. Um, and then I started reaching out to different community organizations within the Kahalu'u, Ko'olaupoko areas. Um, and through those interactions and meetings found that, um, or was told that there was this Honolulu based educational institution that had already applied for the curatorship of this place. So this is state land. And when you want to steward these types of state lands, you have to apply for something called a curatorship application. Um, and that's a formal process through the state. And it goes through several different um, agencies before it goes to BLNR for final approval. And I was really bummed when I had found out that somebody else had already put in the application because I was sort of I was gearing up in that direction. So um, in that process of sort of researching and networking and, and talking to people, I ended up joining my neighborhood board. Uh, I thought it would be a great way for me to get more engaged in my community and kind of get an ear for things. So ended up talking with our state rep, Lisa Kitagawa, who had informed me that she had been working with DLNR and homeowners for the past two years to try and find a solution for this place. Um, they were hoping for a community organization or a nonprofit to come in. And so right when I heard that somebody else had applied for the curatorship, I had to call Lisa and be like, hey, did you know about this? She had no idea. Um, and so we ended up getting plugged. Oh wait, pause. We were getting ready for a town hall meeting. So Lisa was gonna organize this town hall meeting with um, was going to be myself and at that time key project was my proposed fiscal sponsor and that educational institution was going to also present on behalf of of, of their group and um, the proposed solution from the rep was they would get the curatorship agreement and we would do an MOU with them um, and we would work together in that way and so we were gearing up for this town hall meeting and I started having reservations about the approach that was being proposed and I had reached out to Jen and kind of just laid it all on the table for her and I said, hey, this is what's happening. I need help. Yeah. Because and, and all of this kind of snowballed in a matter of a couple of weeks. I mean, all, every, all, the, all the information that came out, things that were being made, were, we were being made aware of, all kind of happened at the same time. It felt like very overwhelming, like an avalanche. Um, so when Hiyaka came to me and we kind of started talking about what was going on, um, automatically my suggestion was we need to find people. We need to find people from our community that are interested in, you know, doing something for our community, um, that have their own feelings or connections to Kahalu. Um, and so I told her, I said, this, you know, maybe sounds crazy, but we should just, we should see if we can create a hui. Um, and in that idea, we started in a matter of days reaching out to a lot of families that we know. We tried to find kupa'aina from Kahalu'u. Um, kupa'aina, a term that our kupuna, one of our kupunas uses a lot, um, referring to people that were originally from this land. Um, so we tried to find families like that. Um, we found that a lot of those families actually left Kahalu'u a long time ago when, you know, through the kingdom changes and then um, also 
you know, as agriculture changed and stuff, a lot of those families moved. Um, but we did find a lot of people. Um, we did find some that have Kupa Aina connections to this place. Um, and we ended up with about 80 people, almost 80 people in about a week um, that were willing to not only be a part of this voice that we wanted to create for the community, um, but these people, are, you know, have multi-generational families involved, you know, that were willing to become a part of the hui in the capacity where they would give us their name and address and say, we're here, we want to be heard. We do care about Kahalu. We do find interest in this space here, um, the Kahalu Lo'i. And we would like to be involved in hearing what's going on and, and sharing our own feelings and opinions. Um, and so we did that. We compiled this hui in a matter of literally days. We had a meeting with them within a week. Um, we had a Zoom meeting, you know, at least at least half of them came onto the Zoom meeting. So it, it, within a week, you know, we had a meeting with 40, you know, people. Um, Ahamoko. We, we reached out to um, the Ko'olau Pokohoin Civic Club um, because I've been on the board of the, the Civic Club, that Civic Club for about 12 years now, maybe 13. Um, there's a lot of kupuna in the club that, you know, no matter how you feel about government agency or clubs or whatever, um, Everybody serves a function, yeah? And so there are some people I think that feel like, oh, well, we don't want to work with certain groups or we don't like this group because they work with OHA or we don't like these people because they work with Kamehameha Schools. Well, you know, our approach is whoever has the knowledge and whoever has the experience is who we should ask um, advice and guidance from. And so my reaching out to them was purely to see, hey, what do you guys think about this, you know? And um, the suggestion from the board of that club was that we reach out to Ahamoku. Ahamoku is a council, it's a state council that was established by the governor's office a while back to provide cultural guidance um, and answer the tough questions. So, you know, whether it's us or someone else, whether it's, you know, some developer that wants to build a new hotel in Kaneohe or in Kaka'ako or whatever, um, the Ahamoku is a council that people can go to to ask, hey, you know, what's appropriate culturally? What is not okay? You know, what is what is the feelings about this? And, and a lot of times Ahamoku will look back to actual like legends, you know, histories, genealogies, um, the history of the land or the people there. So, you know, they take a very cultural approach at, at everything. Well, and then their main function is to advise the, the BLNR. DLNR, yeah. The DLNR and, and the, the BLNR. BLNR. Yeah. So it was really appropriate for us to consult with them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we consulted with them. We had our first Hui meeting. They came at our first Hui meeting, which was yeah. via Zoom. And that was like a Wednesday or something. Friday, we get a call from the ED at Ahamoku and that curatorship application is going to BLNR. On the board's table, yeah. Uh, agenda. Within a week. And that was Mother's Day weekend, 2021. And we're all in a panic because we were supposed to be gearing up for a town hall meeting. Now we have to gear up for a BLNR meeting. And at that time, nobody really knew the significance of the space, the Kahalu Uloi. Um, and nobody even knew that somebody had applied for curatorship and it was going to a BLNR meeting. So there yeah. was an extreme amount of pressure to educate community about the space, why it's significant. And now please submit testimony, written and oral. Um, and you got to submit it, I think, 72 hours in advance of the meeting, so right? So it, yeah. we really didn't have a week. Um, we had like two business days. 
So we're freaking out um, and through all of that commotion, our Senator gets kind of wind of what's sort of brewing in the background and it's gonna, looking like it's gonna be really ugly at this BLNR meeting because we already have Ahamoku gearing up mm -hmm. for their testimony and we're gearing up for testimony. Um, and so by Sunday, I think Senator was able to mm -hmm. talk to some people on the BLNR and, and ask if they could just defer that agenda item until there could be some community discussion. So yeah, huge mahalo to our Senator. Yeah, big, big appreciation. Um, I think all those, those times, um, everything was happen happening so fast. Um, and you know, for like a community group, you know, like she said, we're just a bunch of community members. We're not officially like a big agency. We don't have come with money. We don't come with, you know, a powerhouse of, of years of experience, but um, I think because our intentions were so clear um, for us personally that our, you know, we were so interested in just trying to malama this space and, and be able to um, kind of guide and allow the community to be involved in this project as opposed to if someone else came from a different place and then did it everything without any kind of community involvement, we felt like, you know, it would have been a better option if we could facilitate it so that this space will be a community space um right during those kind of heightened weeks we 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 literally did extra research in between those days we um found you know someone at the bureau of conveyances to help us look for documents we found handwritten agreement from the Kamehameha the third um you know giving Basically, it w you would technically call it a lease, but it, if you can imagine that less as the kingdom. It was a less than a lodio It was title. less than a lodio title, but you have to keep in mind that whenever you talk about title and lease and land documents, every time the kingdom changed, every time a different agency is in charge of something, the meaning of those words is different sometimes um, from person to person or government to government, right? So the title or the agreement that we found in this research was eye-opening because a lot of it kind of clearly explained to us what the agreement was that Kamehameha III had with the Catholic Church, which was a group that was here, um, at, you know, long ago. The agreement was that they could occupy and take up space here as long as they're feeding and educating his people. And, you know, it's a long, it's a long document, but in, in essence, what happens is when you stop feeding and educating the people of this place, the land would have gone back to the kingdom. So, yeah, I think we should explain I, I the connection between um, the group that applied for curatorship and their history yeah. and ties to yeah. this um, specific area. So um, the group that had applied for curatorship of the Kahalu'ulo'i um, during the time of the Mahele, King Kamehameha III awarded 216 acres of land in Ahuimanu to the French Catholic Mission. And so within that, um, that land grant, it specifically stated that the mission was to, to teach scholars these different, um, different topics of uh, or subjects different subjects and um but they still had to 
to sort of allow for any kind of ali'i or, or maka'ainana to have rights to the land. And so it was said in there that once they kind of fulfilled that, that kuleana of educating and fulfilling these responsibilities, that the land should revert back to the kingdom. Um, but then we have a change in government, right? So the kingdom is no longer around. And so this entity that applied for the curatorship agreement um, at one point in time was that original French Catholic mission. And so that was their tie to this space. And, and so there was a school in this general vicinity, um, not exactly where we're sitting today, but further Makai. Um, and so while it did make sense that, you know, they do have ties to this community and stuff, they haven't been here for almost 200 years. Um, and they didn't tell anybody that they applied for the curatorship agreement. I just so happened to, to hear about it and then um, got connected with them. And then, you know, I was kind of the only person in the community in these meetings who knew what was happening. Um, and for me, that was a huge red flag, right? And so they kept saying that they wanted to include community and have community be a part of it. Um, but there was no visible effort or signs of how that was going to work or how it was happening. And then when we got a copy of the curatorship, the word community wasn't even in there, not even once. There was no mention. And so to me, this is this is a community space. Um, and so therefore, it should be a community led stewardship effort. And so that, that was that was really the main concern through that whole yeah. time period. We weren't being heard. We weren't being included. Um, and you saying that we are is not the same as actually doing it. Right. So that's that's why we created Kaiolu. Kaiolu. Yeah. It's kind of a lot. Yes. It and was then, a lot. It felt like a lot. I want to say by like that following week. So Friday we we were told get ready for BLNR. Sunday, Sunday we were was told, okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. They're going to defer. Yeah. And then I want to say like by Wednesday ish we were told they completely pulled the application because they heard there was going to be a strong opposition at the BLNR meeting and they're they're a pretty well-known institution and I would assume they didn't want that kind of publicity going around mm -hmm. so mission achieved yeah. for the time being yeah and even in that time um we decided to reach out to other organizations um so we had small talks you know with key project and there was nothing on the table that was saying you know we wanted to do any kind of specific agreement with them or, or any other organizations at the time, we just wanted to talk to people to get advice, to see, you know, if they had any, anything to share with us that they thought we were doing wrong or if there was anything they thought maybe we were doing right. Um, we did go to see Kako'o Iwi because in our dream idea, we can create a nonprofit organization for this Kahalu Uloi that has community partners and strong supporters from the community that are already established organizations. So um, Kako Oivi is a perfect, you know, mentor for that. We talked with Kanikoa Schultz at, at the farm at Kako Oivi. Um, basically to get an idea of what it took, <laughs> my goodness, what it took to get them from start to where they are now. I mean, it's been over a decade, almost two now. Um, that they've been putting in work and i mean i'm talking about from the from the paperwork from the you know meetings and having people even come together to brainstorm to actually breaking ground and and land titles and everything they've had to go through um you know we're so fortunate that people like that are willing to even share with us their journey because it gave us a little bit of an idea of okay <laughs> 
we knew there was going to be a lot of work to do, but now we see not just the groundwork side or the actual physical work side, but we see the the planning, the organization, the the amount of like foundation you really have to set, yeah, for that. And um, so that to me was really, you know, it's a big deal that that community organizations, other organizations, are willing to share Manao, lend. Um, some of their experience for us to find a way to, to guide ourselves through this. So that's kind of, you know, we want to mahalo those guys too, like, you know, um, Ahamoku, the Civic Clubs, Uncle Frank, Kobai Kapu, Kalani Hewitt, um, Lisa Kitagawa, Lisa Kitagawa, Kehokalole, um, you know, just even having the discussions with them has been able to give us a lot more clarity on how things work within the agencies like the DLNR or the Board of Land and Natural Resources, people have, the right people have shown up and, and we've been able to continue to, to do this work. Thank you for walking us through that history and I think this is a really extraordinary story about community vigilance and how important it is that you knew about that and then were able to mobilize people so, so quickly. Um, I wanted to talk more about this this place. So right now we're sitting in this area that we cleared today during the workday. Um, and you kind of took us back to see some of the walls walking past all of the uh, mountain apple trees are kind of covering this area and pointing out some of the other invasive species. So could you just describe, um, you know, this area that has these really extensive terrace lo'i what it looks like now and what you're working towards with these community work days. So um, this, this place that we're at, uh, the government name is the Kahalu'u Terolo'i and we've been trying to research to find its traditional name. Um, we just haven't quite found it yet so for now we're just calling it the Kahalu'u Lo'i and it is currently owned by the state of Hawaii um, and managed by the Department of Land and Natural Resources, State Historic Preservation Division. Um, and so it is the largest intact terrace lo'i system on Oahu and the best example of Native Hawaiian expertise in this type of engineering. The state parcel is approximately 13.72 acres. Um, the entire agricultural complex though actually extends uh, Malka of that and Makai. And so what we saw today were some retaining walls, uh, some lo'i. And the condition that it's in today, some of the walls are actually in really good shape, probably in the same condition that they were at the time that they were being used for cultivation. Um, some of the walls have not been so fortunate, mostly because um, this forest is maybe about 99% invasive. And so some of our long-term goals here are to slowly pick away at that invasive forest and create like small kipuka for our native species to come and slowly grow out. Over time, we don't want to shock uh, the soil or the forest too quickly. So it's going to be a slow progress. Um, so right now we have an informal uh, agreement with SHIPTI, the State Historic Preservation Division. So for 90 days, uh, we are allowed to do vegetation clearance and maintenance within a very specific area of the Kahalu'u Lo'i. 
Uh, we are also required to have an archaeologist on site, so we've been really fortunate to have two different archaeologists come and volunteer their time for us here. So we're currently running work days. Uh, we're going every other Saturday, weather permitting, and also depending on the availability of the archaeologist. So kind of like to the sidewalk, there are some metal pillars which start off the forest line, and that's our boundary here. Um, and so the goal is just to clear all of the overgrowth within that space, um, mostly so that we can have safe access into the site because there's no really other safe access point. And, and eventually over time, right, we need to get equipment in there. We need a staging area. Um, we do want to do an archaeological inventory study. And so to get some of the equipment in, we will need um, easier access to the sites. You mentioned, um, um, Jen, you were saying just a little bit ago that, um, you know, this is a lot to be doing um, outside of your regular lives and jobs and families, but that your motivation isn't personal so that that helps you keep going. And um, I wonder if you could each just talk a little bit more personally about what that motivation is for you um, and what particularly about this place calls you. Okay. Well, okay, so I say my, our motivation is not personal, but we have personal, you know, we have values, I think, that drive us personally that continue to keep us motivated because, you know, for us, you know, I don't know, the ingredients, I guess, that, that keep us going are, um, you know, value for family, value for our places, uh, connection to this place or, or our community itself. Um, I say it's not personal because sometimes when things are too personal, it's easy to be distracted by just what you want, right? It's easy to forget about everybody else, right? And so when I think I say that we, we haven't done this out of all personal motivation, it's because we've not allowed our, our viewpoint or our lens to be little. We've always kept it so broad and open because I feel like, you know, initially our concern was it should be for communities. So because of that, we've kept that in our, you know, frame. That's where our perspective is going to always come from, I think, with what we're doing. Um, and when I say it's not just personal, I think because for us, you know, community, well, for me, I, I'm sure for Hiyaka too, like community is important because if I'm not here tomorrow or I'm not here next week, you know, if I put in the right love and, and time into my community, whether it's my family community, my working community, my neighbors in my community, I know that my child will be okay. You know what I mean? I know that if there's people and things in place in our, in our lives, in our world, in the places we live in, spend our time, that those, you know, those values, caring about one another, um, you know, Laulima working together, like that kind of stuff, leaning on each other in times of need, like whether it's literal physical help or if it's mental or emotional support, um, I feel like for me, I understand that or I've learned that when your community is more connected, when, you're, when your connections are more, uh, it's harder for people to fall. Yeah, it's harder to fall through the cracks. I've worked with kids in Poco for, geez, maybe almost 20 years now. Um, you know, I've seen some of them succeed and fly and I've seen some of them fall apart, yeah. Um, and I feel like to me, if they had a better community 
network around them, whether it's again in their own family or their own neighborhood, I feel like it's harder to fall through the cracks. Yeah. Um, how we live here, you know, living with Aloha and like making these connections in our community. Some of us have grown up learning that, and I think it's for a bigger reason than we even could imagine, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, because I did grow up with this space, right? From, I think my family moved to Ahuimanu in 1989, 1990, uh, prior to this community back here being built. So, you know, I came here as a child, used to play in the stream with my mom and my sister. And then as a teenager coming, going back to the waterfalls with my friends and, you know, now as an adult, um, growing up with this space in a different way. It's like, how do I explain? Like I'm growing with the Aina and the Aina's growing with me and we're growing together. We're growing up together. And so, um, I just have this special connection to this very specific site and, um, you know, this desire through my college career to always bridge Hawaiian culture and engineering and then finding out that the space that I had grown up with really encompassed those goals that I wanted to achieve. And during those early days of me going to these meetings by myself and, and kind of trying to meander through things and figure it out, like there are times when I'm like, Jen, that's it. I'm giving up. I can't do this. It's too heavy. I'm lifting all this stuff by myself. Um, and I've had little ho'ailona, like I've kind of put it out there, like, you know what, this is heavy. And so if you want me to keep doing this, I'm, I'm gonna need some kind of affirmation. And so those, those ho'ailona have come in the journey. And so that, that also kind of pushes me to keep yeah. going. It's like, if you didn't want me to be here doing this, there would be obstacles that would not be able to be overcome. And like Jen was saying earlier, the things kind of just, Lay, lay before us like somebody was like oh you should talk to Ahamoku we talked to Ahamoku boom BLNR meeting Everything. boom senator and then this and then that right and so all of these occurrences happen one after the other and so we've taken that as our whole Ailona to keep going to keep going right yeah. and even though we've had obstacles with Shipti and you know that other educational institution um things continue to work out for us yeah. and being here on the site today was our third work day and I'm just like blown away. I mean, I'm blown away after every work day, but this is the third work day. And so it's the culmination of all the progress thus far. And I'm like, so blown how beautiful it, it looks, you know? And I know you guys haven't seen it prior to today, but it was pretty bad. And we have neighbors from this immediate community that have seen us out here working and they just come and they're like, can we help? And we're like, of course, come help us, you know? So. We have our Hui support. We have the support of this immediate community. Um, and we have the support of Hawaii People's Fund. So all of the little Kokua. And Pacific American Foundation. Yes, and Pacific American Foundation. They're our fiscal sponsor. So um, we have the support. So we, yeah. feel, we feel safe in moving forward. And I don't think we could, um, like, like you said, like, you know, the motivation it's not something that we consciously are like, yeah, we got to stay motivated for this project. It's just, I think because we've already committed to it, we've already committed to the idea that we're doing this for our community and for a long-term plan. I mean, well, and not just for the community, it. but, but for this space, yeah, right? For like, this space. Yeah. This space is significant. This is what it's for. And right. like when I, I mean, it's, it's a great engineering feat, yeah. right? But 
it's also a great resource. It's historical, to, it's cultural, yeah. It's but we're also going to build food security yeah. and sovereignty for our community as yeah. well. Like it has the potential to feed all of us here. Yeah. Um, and that's also a really big driver for us. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that long-term vision of working towards um, growing food here again and working towards food sovereignty? So, so the goal of the long-term goal. Let's just let's just imagine that there's no problems and everything works out, and this Hawaii keep coming and the pathways keep opening. So, long-term, we envision that Kaiaulu Okahalu will help to establish the nonprofit organization. Um, we did host a retreat with a core of people who have been helping with a lot of the important facets. We, we've created a name and a vision. We'll, we'll, we'll share that when it's all out and ready um, and, and a mission for this organization. We're also looking at finding a board to establish the nonprofit and we're looking at how to create the bylaws and, and structural organization for a nonprofit. Um, Kaiaulu Okahalu will essentially be a community supporter of this nonprofit organization, and we probably will ask other organizations um, that might be appropriate, you know, to be community partners or supporters. Um, once the nonprofit is established, um, we have talked about, or, or the hope is that we can create educational programs, opportunities for um, educational groups, whether it's even, you know, teachers that want to get training or, or small halal or um, students, families, we would like to create educational opportunities. Um, they would have, you know, firsthand experience with the Aina. Um, we, we imagine we can help create food sustainability and, and feed community in this space. Um, we're interested in making sure that we can help manage, you know, or, or even uh, I mean, I don't know if we have, we haven't got up there yet, but, we, you know, watershed management is something we can look at. Um, there can be other studies and, and things done here. Um, I mean, for me, like the original goal was to do Aina-based STEM curriculum because, you know, Hawaiian and I want to do culture and the yeah. engineering component. That was like the main the thing main that I driver. wanted to focus on in the beginning. But as you know, we do the research and we do the work and we and we talk to other people, we see the other potentials of that this aina can can feed community. So for sure wanna open up some lo'i and put some kalo in there and start to produce kalo again for Ahui Manu and for our greater Kahalu Ahupua. Mm -hmm. um, and we can look to those really strong nonprofits in Heia, Papahana Kuaola. Mm -hmm and Pai Pai Oheia, Evi, which we have talked to all of them. Mm -hmm. So looking at them for inspiration on, on the things that we can do on this sign here. We also know that long-term, this is gonna be a big commitment. So in the beginning, when we even started the Hui, we had a long talk one day and I told her, I know you have your degree, you know, but somebody's gonna have to commit their life to this. <laughs> and I know it sounds kind of extreme, but you have to know, guys, anybody listening, when you have to create something, when you have something you want to create and you want it to last, you have to be willing to be there forever. I mean, and I, and I mean forever in the sense that, you know, it's going to take years. And if we get everything right and if we get our foundations right and we can organize and operate and function fluidly, then one day it's going to be easier to transfer 
the kuleana or whatever we have laid down to the next generation or whoever is willing to continue this yeah that's so funny the way you made that sound is like i went to school all those years and struggled to get a civil engineering degree to do an aina restoration project <laughs> yeah you know what though we need more engineers in our in our aina and that's <sighs> something that i feel is super important we have more kids now finally you know in in our doe schools that are going to become engineers that never was the case we have you know aside from our project we have um you know, in Hawaii, we have the top three highest paid marine biologists. They're not even local. They're not Hawaiian or local. You know, we have the best opportunities here to raise these kids with these knowledge, this knowledge that's generational, that we have in our blood, in our DNA, in our histories that we're not cultivating, you know. And not just from that side, engineers, farmers. I mean, engineering is a big deal. But you know what? There's no need for engineering without land. You know what I mean? Or without people. You well, know what I mean? You, know, you you said something that reminded me about my initial motivation, right? Is like this place is one of the best examples of ancient Hawaiian expertise in this type of engineering, right? And so me as a native Hawaiian woman in civil engineering, that was the goal, right? Was to teach our keiki um, that even though these things look like they're falling apart and you know, you look them at face value, they don't look like they're worth anything, but it's actually a huge engineering feat. And it's you know, irreplaceable, it's invaluable. That means you cannot put an amount to buy the value of this. Well, and your ancestors were the original engineers, <laughs> yeah. right? They were the original STEM oh, pioneers, yeah. yep. you know, and to gain inspiration from that, um, that we can also be those scientists, those engineers, yeah. So how can um, people who are listening to this support the work you're doing or get involved? Yeah, so we are on Instagram, Facebook, um, and we have an email, kayauluokahalu'u at gmail.com. Our social media handles are kayauluokahalu'u. Um, we have a website. Um, it's, it's a free one, though, and so it's just so that we Basic. kind of have one. Um, but we're, we're working up on building capacity in those, mm -hmm. those tech areas. Yeah. Um, if people wanna join us on our work days, we ask that you email us just because we are limited to 10 people per workday. There's some flexibility in that, um, but if you email us then I can ensure that we have enough supplies and refreshments and those kind of things. And I think we always welcome, you know, if people, if people have ideas or, hey, my friends own this tree company and they like to give volunteer service once a month, then, you know, please feel free to call us. We welcome those kinds of people at any time. Um, we've had a lot of volunteers, luckily, and, and, you know, but the more the merrier, you know, many hands make light work, right? So the more hands, the better. Um, we also don't want to exhaust the people that come out every time and, and have the same workers, you know, um, overwhelmed. So. It's kind of nice if, if anybody's interested in coming to physically help or if anybody wants to research or if anybody wants to read Hawaiian words and translate things for us, we would love that also. Um, I think we can always find a need for kokua. So, um, or if you just want to talk story or if you have a tutu that knows a story of this area, um, we would love to hear it. Yes. That would be cool. Yes, and then also because we only have 90 days to kind of follow through on this proposed project. Um, you know, the neighborhood is looking at us to make good on our word. And so if there's anybody out there that um, has the, the capability and the capacity to cut down pretty large trees 
and or has a wood chipper, um, that would be a really big help for us within this 90 day period. Awesome. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we close up? Anything we haven't talked about yet? I'd like to encourage if anybody, you know, it, it finds themselves in their own space, um, places that mean something to them or that they feel connected to or that maybe their family has connections to. Um, I'd like to encourage you guys to go out and, 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 and get in there, you know, like whether it's work or just loving the space. You know, take a little ho'okupu. I mean, you know, just send some love, do an oli. I don't know. Um, and I want to say, even if you're not in Hawaii, if you're, if, you're, if you're a person that's connected to a space, like a lot of our, you know, native and local kids leave, you know, we all know that. It's, it's kind of a sad story. But even when you leave here, I feel like we have something so special here that we were born with. You know, you hear about aloha, but we feel it. You know, when you go away, you go to another state or another country, um, teach them, you know, teach them how to, and teach them by walking the talk, you know, like, it's hard to, you know, keep that in mind. I'm sure if you leave and you're living in the middle of, you know, Minnesota or Colorado, and you're from deep in the valley of in Hawaii somewhere, um, you know, you still have that aloha in you. And I feel like we have such an opportunity to inspire and, and, and lead others in the way that we love our land and the way that we love each other. Um, so if you have any time, you know, whatever it is, whether it's to reach out and support someone um, on their journey or to do your own, you know, don't, don't hesitate, don't be afraid and know that it's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be a lot of time. It might be tiring. Take breaks if you need to, ask for help. You know, um, tell somebody when things get hard. You know, these are not only for, you know, if you're trying to do something like us, but I mean, in general, in life, you know, like, like take the time, you know, um, trust your na'au. Intuition is there for all of us. And um, do things with, the, with your aloha in your heart and everything will work out as it's supposed to be. Mahalo for that message that call to action and uh thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today thank you guys so yeah. much thanks for helping thank us you. today yeah that was great. thank you so much our pleasure hawaii rising is a podcast from the hawaii people's fund produced by me and me with additional support from mickey our theme music is revolutionary from the band ukla the mock Written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho!